Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I recently started going back to the gym uh, again. Uh, it's not a no punchline, it's not a joke. I really did start going back to the gym again. And the gym that I go to is a small gym, the kind of gym that you can go to 24 hours a day by using a key fob on the door. Uh, and when you go into the gym, uh, it's divided into two main rooms. The room to the right are all of the weights and the weightlifting machines. The room to the left is kind of the cardio and some of the treadmills. Uh, I start my day on the room to the right, but I don't use a lot of the workout machines because, frankly, I don't know what they do. <laughs> and I'm not trying to embarrass myself or hurt myself uh, to learn how to use those machines, but I do use the dumbbells because even a dummy like me knows how to use dumbbells. So I go and I do that for a moment, then I make my way to the other side of the room uh, to the treadmills. There's a long row of treadmills like there is in most gyms at my gym, and I strategically choose the treadmill at the very end of the row by the front door, and I do that because I don't want to bother people with all my laboring and breathing as I'm running. If I happen to fall off mid-workout, I'm not going to take a bunch of people with me. But from this treadmill at the very end of the row by the front door, from this vantage point, I can see all the comings and goings of the gym. So every morning there seemed to be this habit and routine and practice of people who come to my gym. They would use their key fob, they would walk into the gym, they would take their car keys out, they would deposit them into a bowl on the counter, then they would step around and they would weigh in on this small digital scale on the floor. I normally don't weigh in first thing in the morning because 5.30 a.m., frankly, is a little too early for bad news for me. But I watched as very young, very physically fit, very slim, very trim, uh, trim individuals would walk in. They would deposit their keys into the bowl. They would step around to the digital scale. And I watched as there just seemed to be kind of a disappointment and a frustration, kind of this ugh with what they saw on the scale. They looked to me to be really physically fit, so I assumed maybe they wanted to gain weight, to bulk up, to increase muscle mass. I also watched as uh, older folks, folks who maybe are less physically fit, kind of my body style, would walk in, they would deposit their keys in the bowl, they would walk around and they would step up on the digital scale, same thing, disappointment, frustration. And it occurred to me, the one commonality among all of these individuals uh, is that they wanted to see something different, to be something different. And the sad reality is most of us begin our day with inward-focused criticism, uh, analysis of our own self. We begin our day by not sometimes liking the person that's staring back at us in the mirror. I'm not tall enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not skinny enough to fit into that swimsuit that I see in a magazine. I have all these lines, I'm looking old, or if you're me, I just stand at the sink and wonder, what happened to all of my hair? <laughs> we would never let others treat us the way that we sometimes treat ourselves. I see a number of younger folks here today, and I'm glad they're here. My heart breaks a little bit for a generation that has to wade through the volumes of critiques and comparisons and criticisms that are created by social media. This place where people go and they share only their best life, 
only the best portions of their day. Here's my grade point average. Here's who made the team. Here's who didn't make the team. Here's all my sports statistics. Here's who is going to the movies tonight and the others can assume they didn't receive a text and they're not allowed to come along. It is a cruel comparison device where we go and we share all the things that we have that you know you really want. Our best self is put out there and we dare you to keep up. I recently started uh, a Bible study, not recently, I've been doing it for a number of years, but uh, it's a Bible study that meets every week with a group of men, uh, really successful and accomplished men. There's a doctor in the group, there's a lawyer in the group, the kind of men that if you saw them in a group setting, you would look across the room and you would go, and these guys have it all together. I wish my life was like theirs. If I had a life like that, I would finally and truly be happy. But I listen with my ears and I listen with my heart in this place that we come together and we can take the mask off and we can be honest and be candid with each other. And I hear these men struggle with their own critiques and criticisms. They admit that they don't have it all together, that their life is a mess at times, that they struggle through certain seasons, that they're not perfect. I think some days, in many ways, we don't love ourselves, care for ourselves as we should. We avoid self-care and self-love because it's selfish and we shouldn't do that. We're told that we should recklessly abandon all forms of self-love and self-care. And that's a shame because we do that not only to our own detriment, but we do it to the detriment of a lot of others around us as well. So I want to challenge a bit this morning that mentality, that thought, that we should recklessly abandon all forms of self-care and self-love, and that should be avoided. I want to do that by looking at Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, Matthew is the first book of the Bible, the first of the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 22, we see Jesus teaching. He's really defending himself uh, to some intense questioning from two religious elite two groups of religious elite, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus is defending himself in the face of these questions, and Scripture tells us they're not honest questions. They're not coming at this from a desire to learn. It's evil intent is what Scripture says. It says they're trying to trap Jesus. So in Matthew 22, Jesus teaches first in the parable, and then he teaches about authority, uh, talking specifically about the payment of tax. You probably remember, render unto Caesar, things that are Caesar's, remember, render unto God, things that are God's. He goes on to teach about the resurrection. That's something that Sadducees did not believe in. But ultimately, we arrive at Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. That's where I want us to look this morning. It's page 1033 in your pew Bible. If it's on your phone, maybe do this for a few minutes. So Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, uh, modern-day Bibles have titled this, The Great Commandment. So it says, When the Pharisees heard that he, he being Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, gotta love the lawyers, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God 
with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and all of the prophets. So the Pharisees had over 600 laws, things they were trying to keep perfectly. They were focused on their own works, on all of these prohibitions, these things you shouldn't do. They were party poopers, wagging their finger, being set apart. Prohibitions. Don't do these things. Well, enter Jesus. He says, here's what you should do. I'm going to make it really easy for you. You should love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. You should love your neighbor as yourself. The Pharisees were constantly trying to determine which law is better than the other, which is more weighty, which is light, which is heavier. How do we categorize these laws? Jesus makes it easy. So what is the application for us in this exchange with Jesus and the Pharisees? We should love God. We should love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the great I am. God is a gracious and merciful Father. He is a wonderful, loving Father. We should absolutely love God. We should love our neighbor. I don't know if that's a new concept. We should love our neighbor. All the way back in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus, in chapter 19, 18, we're told to love our neighbor as ourselves. Each of the Gospels talk about loving your neighbor. There are at least seven other places that I've found, there's probably more, with this command to love your neighbor. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Galatians, James, all talk about loving your neighbor. The word love shows up almost 800 times in and of itself in Scripture. If you go back and you look at Christianity, a hallmark of Christianity has always been loving others, loving neighbor. Arguably, one of the reasons for the explosion of Christianity in the first few centuries is because followers of Jesus were loving others, caring for others, having compassion for them, the sick the needy, the outcast, the widows, the orphans. Tons of Scripture is dedicated to love and loving neighbor. The basis of a lot of sermons is love and loving others, as well it should be, because the greatest example of loving others we can ever find is Christ crucified on the cross for us. He gave up his life willingly. It wasn't taken from him. In a beautiful display of love. So we should love God. We should love our neighbor. But built into these verses, built into this commandment, there is a presumption, there's an understanding that we actually love ourselves. Now some people do this really well. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they seem to. Maybe others that you know love themselves really well, view themselves as set apart, as better than. They judge, they look down on others. I guess as sinful people, we're all tempted to be selfish at times. But many of us 
many days and in many ways don't love ourselves as we should. And that's a shame because I think one of the greatest gifts that we can ever give to others is the best version of ourselves. The self that is sober-minded and clear and focused. The self that has cast aside the chains of comparisons and jealousy. The self that cares. The self that is full of love. How can we ever love others as we are commanded if we don't love ourselves as we should? Now, Cynthia So is here, and she can back me up on this, I hope, but when you take uh, a ride in an airplane, there are certain instructions and explanations pre-flight that they tell you about. They say, in the unlikely event of an emergency and the cabin were to lose pressure, oxygen masks are going to descend from the ceiling, and we ask that you put those oxygen masks on yourself before attending to children or to elderly passengers. That doesn't make a lot of sense because we want to take care of other people. But the truth of the matter is, without your own oxygen, you will suffocate. If you don't take care of yourself, you're no good to others. As many of you know, this is my first Sunday back up here after taking a leave of absence from classes at seminary, from being a vicar here at the point. Last fall, I got to a place where I was just exhausted. I had been so busy was overwhelmed, was underwater. I wanted so desperately to love and serve God. I wanted honestly to love you all and others. I wanted to be a great husband. I wanted to be a great father. I wanted to be a great son, a great boss at work. I wanted to be a great volunteer at various nonprofit uh, organizations. But I was overwhelmed I was underwater, I was drowning in a sea of expectations that were unrealistic that I had created for myself. I was trying to be everything to everyone and do it perfectly. Have you been there before? Young moms, single parents, sole providers, caretakers of others? What's worse than all of that is I was trying to do all of those things perfectly, just like the Pharisees. I was drinking deep from a cup of poison that is perfectionism. I didn't just want good grades and classes. I wanted a 4.0. I wanted, I wanted straight A's. I had a conversation with Melissa Foster not too long ago. She was asking about the return to classes. Were classes difficult last fall? Was I struggling with some of the material? And I proudly exclaimed, no, I have straight A's. Melissa says, do you have to get straight A's? No, no one asked that of me. It's something that I imposed on myself. I didn't just want to come and share some stories with you on Sunday when Pastor Adam had a much-needed Sunday off. I wanted to share God's Word, this good news, the Gospel. I wanted it to strike to the heart of every hearer every Sunday. I was trying to do it perfectly. I didn't want to miss a ball game or a kid's activity. I didn't want to miss a family gathering. I wanted to do all those things perfectly. I was trying to be something that God never asked me to be perfect. God doesn't demand that any of us be perfect. Thanks be to God, right? To the contrary, Jesus tells us, in this life you will have trouble. 
That's a harsh reality. That's true. We will have trouble. We will struggle. We will stumble. We will fail. You may have to take a leave of absence sometimes to rest and catch your breath. You're going to let others down, even unintentionally. You're going to hurt others, even unintentionally. Because we're not perfect, only one man ever was, only one man ever needed to be, just Jesus. So even with our self-doubt and criticism, with our extra pounds, with our wrinkles, yes, even bald, we are adopted sons and daughters into God's beautiful family. And he loves us, and we are beautiful to him. It's time that we start loving ourselves like God loves us, a God that would send his only son to die in this beautiful display of love on the cross for us. If we're going to love our neighbors as we're commanded, we've got to start loving ourselves as we should. We've got to put down the cup of poison that is perfectionism. We've got to be still and just bask in God's love and His great grace. So as you leave here today and you go into your week, I want you to remember this great commandment to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor, but don't neglect to love yourselves a little along the way as well. God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Will you pray with me? Gracious and merciful Father, we love you. We thank you for loving the likes of us, for sending your son Jesus to overcome sin, death, and the devil for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father, let us focus on loving you with our whole heart, soul, and mind, coming to you in prayer often. Let us never neglect to love others, to love our neighbors as we should. We thank you. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So this is the part of service where we take up uh, an offering. If you came today prepared to give, you may do so using cash or check in the uh, collection boxes by the front doors. If you did not come prepared to give or you'd rather give online, you can do that at the point knox.com. There's a little teal icon in the bottom. If you click on that, you can give one time uh, or you can set up a recurring gift. Just know whatever you give, we don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. So this is the dreaded part of service for me that Adam does so well. Uh, we welcome your questions. I'm being joking, but we welcome your questions. It's, it's good to have questions. I've certainly have, have had questions throughout the years, so uh, text those in any time, and we can try to answer them to the best of our ability. Uh, Adam will be back next week, so all the hard questions you can ask him. Um, one uh, quick announcement. I know that uh, Penny Perry is here with us. She lost her uh, husband, Mike. Um, so there will be a, a celebration of life at Grace Lutheran Church on Middlebrook Wednesday, this Wednesday, the 12th at 11 a.m. So if you want to go and at 10.30 a.m. Okay, on Wednesday, the 12th. Uh, celebrating the life of uh, Mike Perry. So, um, let's see, you... Also, while we're... Got... Is it on? Can you... Okay, there we go. Uh, welcome back. It's thank great you. to have you back. Thank uh, you, thank you. Yeah.
Definitely. I know this, this church really loves you. Well, so. I love you all as well. I have to knock the rust off a little bit. There's a little bit of nerves that go away when you do it more frequently. So yeah. thank you for your grace. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of things get texted in. Um, somebody said they enjoyed the music this morning. Uh, thank you. It was a small group, so it feels more intimidating. But I can say for the others, too, we really enjoy worshiping with you guys. Um, and we hope you enjoy it. And we hope you enjoy the worship, uh, especially. Absolutely. Uh, next question. Uh, Vicar Adam, your hair is still there. It just slid from the top of your head to the bottom. It migrated, right, from here down to my face. I never had a beard before I went bald. I guess I have to hold on to it. So. <laughs> uh, one, one more question. Uh, how long does our forgiveness last? It's a great question. It's a, uh, something we talk about often, but... Um, God's grace, His ability to forgive us, uh, is not time dependent. It's not as if we confess or we repent of something and then we do something else and God says, ah, I've forgiven you too many times or, you know, because you confessed your sins and you go and commit other sins, those aren't forgiven because you did that post-confession and absolution. Uh, we can certainly turn, the, uh, uh, turn from faith. We can walk away from God, but uh, God's salvation, His forgiveness is always there, and it's ever-present for all of us. So um, you don't have to be a Pharisee or Sadducee or do all the right works and lead a, lead a perfect life. Just confession of faith that uh, I'm saved alone by sacrifice that Christ made alone. So, Cool. Uh, it seems like that's it on the questions. Easy. You guys let me off easy. Bless you. Bless you. Well, if there's no other questions, um, leave with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. All right. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.